Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Well, coming up, I'm going to take a look back at the 10 bold predictions I made before the start of the Eagles season. How close was I? <laughs> I wasn't close on many of them, uh, but we'll take a look back at that. And we'll take a look at some of the questions that were answered this year and some of the questions that remain to be answered following the Eagles' playoff loss to the Buccaneers last Sunday. And then I'm going to preview this weekend's games, all four games on the weekend slate. We'll do that coming up later in the podcast. But first, I did want to go over it, and I thought, you know, Every year before the season, I do a 10 bold predictions list. And generally speaking, they're kind of each in a vacuum. I don't expect all 10 of these things to happen. They're 10 separate things that I think could happen. Maybe that doesn't make any sense, but they should really kind of be taken in isolation. And so I want to see how close I am to having gotten these right. And I, I, as I'm doing this podcast right now, I am cold reading these predictions. I, I went back to bleedinggreennation.com where I posted them uh, back in, I guess it was uh, uh, early September, and we'll just see exactly how close I came to, to doing this. So the first one was that Gardner Minshew will make four or more starts for the quarterback. Well, that was off, obviously, but he did make two starts at quarterback. One of them was because of injury, and one of them was because the Eagles did not need to play their starters in Week 18 against the Dallas Cowboys. So the uh, Gardner Minshew made two starts for the Eagles, not four, so I missed on that one. My second bold prediction was that Jalen Hurts would have a quarterback rating under 85. And in my write-up for this, I I basically wrote that I thought he would have an up-and-down season and that he would show flashes of promise, but it won't be enough to convince Howie Roseman to keep him as the franchise quarterback. And I think after that loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, well, and I'll get to that, I'll get to this in the unanswered questions section, that is certainly in doubt. And while I missed on this bold prediction, I came pretty close because Jalen Hurts finished with a passer rating of 87.2, which was fifth worst in the NFL. So I think I got the spirit of the bold prediction correct, but that I maybe missed on the exact number. My number was probably a little bit too low because 85, I probably should have thought about the number a little bit more closely, but 85 is essentially you're the worst quarterback in the NFL if you have a passer rating of 85. So I'm going to give myself credit for that one. You don't have to, but I'm going to do it, and it's my podcast, so I'll, <laughs> I'll count these however I want. All right, so that's one of the two bold predictions I got right. Milton Williams will have more sacks than Derek Barnett. Now, this was as much a I'm down on Derek Barnett prediction as it was I'm bullish on Milton Williams but it was a little bit of both and I think again in the spirit of this particular prediction I came pretty darn close so as I'm looking at the uh, the, the 2021 uh, statistics for Philadelphia I'm looking at sacks right now and Milton Williams on the season he came on uh, late in the season had two sacks Derek Barnett had two sacks so while Milton Williams did not have more sacks than Derek Barnett, let's also consider the fact that how many more how many more percentages of this of the how many more snaps did Derek Barnett get than Milton Williams this year? Right? I mean, it, it Derek Barnett has to, had to have had you know five times as many snaps as as Milton Williams. So again, I'm giving myself credit for this one too. <laughs> So um, I thought Williams would have a solid rookie season and put up four to five sacks on the board. Um, but they both tied with two sacks. Um, 
Again, I'm going to give myself uh, credit for that bold prediction right there. Zach Ertz will outcatch Dallas Goddard. That did not happen. Dallas Goddard proved that he can be a high value, a high volume tight end, and that's great. Um, Goddard is the future of the position at tight end. And Zach Ertz was traded to Arizona, and he got to the playoffs as well and was a major contributor to a Cardinals offense and uh, a reliable target for Kyler Murray. So I'm going to, that's a whiff on that particular bold prediction. So I'm two for four. Kenny Gainwell will be the Eagles' top receiving running back. Now, I think when I was talking about this, I was talking about receiving yards. And, you know, obviously, Kenny Gainwell did, uh, did not lead Eagles uh, running backs in, in receiving yards. Kids, I nailed this one. Kenny Gainwell, 253 yards receiving this year, highest among running backs on the team, and the fifth highest total among all Eagles players. He was a good 100 yards, just under 100 yards more than Miles Sanders, who only had 158 yards receiving. That's because this team became so run-heavy. They just didn't throw it to the running backs all that much. But Boston Scott only had 83 yards receiving this year. And, of course, Jordan Howard's not catching anything out of the backfield. So Kenny Gainwell was the team's best receiving running back during the 2021 season. So, folks, I'm three for five here on these bold predictions so far. Quez Watkins will not clear 500 yards receiving. I missed on that one. Quez Watkins was, you know, all the hype that we heard about him in training camp was real. He had 647 yards receiving on 43 catches with a better quarterback. And in an offense that throws the football the way a normal team throws the football, Quez Watkins probably would have 800 yards receiving this year, 900 yards receiving. Might even be a 1,000-yard receiver if he had a true great quarterback throwing to him because he was open a lot. He was open a lot, and Hertz missed him on a number of deep passes. I'm sure there are a number of plays that were left on the field where a good a, a good passing quarterback would have gotten Quez Watkins the ball. So my prediction that Quez Watkins would not clear 500 yards receiving failed miserably. So I'm three for six, but already I'm doing pretty good. Devontae Smith will be Offensive Rookie of the Year. That's not going to happen. That's probably going to go to Jamar Chase or Mac Jones. Um, but Devontae Smith was really, really good this season. However, he will not be Offensive Rookie of the Year. So three for seven. Um... Now we go to Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders rushes for over 1,000 yards. Missed that one by a lot. 754 yards on the ground for Miles Sanders. And so um, came up short on that one. So three for eight. Not doing so good here at the bottom of the pile. Bold prediction number nine was that Jake Elliott would have a, I don't know what I was thinking with this number, a 95% plus field goal accuracy. That's insane. I don't know what I was thinking with that number. I, I believe Jake Elliott would have a, a bounce-back season. He made 90.9% of his field goals and was perfect in extra points for uh, at 100%. 44 of 44 in extra points. Only missed three field goals all season long. Um, so, again, Jake Elliott was outstanding in the 2021 season, but I made a prediction of 25, 95% plus, and I missed it, so I lost out on that one. So I'm now three for nine, and then this last one was just a, a brutal prediction. I, I predicted, and I, I wish I could figure out why, Anthony Harris would lead the NFL in interceptions. Like, what was I smoking? Not only did he only have just one interception, but lead the NFL in interceptions? What was I, what was I doing? 
what was I what was I thinking on that? I have no idea what was going through my mind when I made that bold prediction. So three bold predictions came true. I think in the spirit of some of these bold predictions, I was uh, I was a little bit better. But um, overall, that's usually better than I do. So <laughs> I'll take it. I will take the uh, I'll take those uh, bold predictions um, here for the 2021 season. All right, so let's transition. And based off of what we saw, I, you've heard enough folks here kind of analyze that Eagles Tampa game. I'll do a real, real quick one. Okay, Jalen Hurts was the reason they lost that football game on Sunday afternoon. He just didn't make the plays you need an NFL quarterback to make in a playoff game. Todd Bowles came in, and that Tampa defense is stacked. That's easily the best defense the Eagles have played this year. With all of those playmaking linebackers and the beef that they have in the middle of the defensive line, they pushed the Eagles' offensive line around. And we didn't—we haven't heard much about this, but Lane Johnson went out in that game. He didn't play against Tampa in Week 6, and then he got hurt early in the game against Tampa, and they had no answer. They had no answer once Lane Johnson went out. And Jason Kelsey had, had a, a less-than-great game, certainly by his standards, and the running game never got going. And so they basically dared Jalen Hurts to beat them with his arm, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't even come close to doing it. He couldn't compete. And there's an NFL Films mic'd up on the entire wildcard round of the playoffs, and you hear Todd Bowles telling his players, he can't read. He can't read, talking about reading the defenses. He's going to give us some. Now, you know, whether whether or not that's just coach speak, I think we saw it manifest itself on the field and that he was late on throws. He was missing open targets. He bailed from clean pockets to, to get outside. He was jittery. He was nervous. Now, Donovan McNabb on, on 94WIP this week did make the good point that it was his first playoff game. And a lot of quarterbacks don't respond great in their first playoff game. They get nervous. They get antsy. The game speeds up for them. And I think that's what you saw with Jalen Hurts. I think you saw... Him playing the best defense he'd seen all year, playing at the top of their game in a hostile environment, and the game got too fast for him, and he couldn't read what he was seeing out there. He left a number of plays on the field, either by not taking a shot or by overthrowing a receiver, throwing behind receivers, and of course that interception in the end zone just before halftime was an absolute killer. The defense wasn't great. They got off to a really slow start. We've seen this happen time and time again. The Jonathan Gannon, who appears to be a frontrunner for the Texans' head coaching job, which, again, is just baffling to me. I saw nothing special from Jonathan Gannon this year. I know he doesn't have special players, but someone's got to help me with this Jonathan Gannon fixation that three teams thought he was a head coaching candidate when I saw, I saw little ability to put together a cohesive game plan. Like, what is... what? Why does it take getting down two, three touchdowns, three scores before you decide to play man press coverage on, on people? W what are we doing here? It was the same thing every week. He could, he could shut down the terrible offenses and the terrible quarterbacks, but couldn't do anything against good offenses and good quarterbacks. And again, I know he doesn't have great personnel, but there was nothing inventive. There was nothing ingenious. There, there, were no, he, there was nothing getting schemed up here. I, I, don't see, I don't see the boy genius that everybody else seems to see, and maybe I don't know enough football. Maybe that's what it is. I'll own that if that's what it is, but I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And he got his defense got off to a slow start against Tom Brady. They they needed to go after and get in Tom Brady's face. And finally, midway through the second quarter, they started to do that. But you're already down 17 nothing, and Jalen Hurts has to just start chucking the ball. And that was the recipe for disaster we all knew heading into that game. So 
That's the end of the 2021 season. Overall, a successful season. They go 9-8. and eight. They make the playoffs in what was supposed to be a rebuilding year. You would have liked to have had a memory or two from that playoff game that was positive, but we didn't get that, and that's okay. We had, some, we had a nice run down the stretch, and we got to watch some, uh, some pennant race football, for, for lack of a better term. So, questions we had answered. Did Jeffrey Lurie make the right coaching decision in hiring Nick Sirianni? For a little while there, it looked like it was going to be a disaster, but in the end, he was the only rookie head coach to lead his team to the playoffs. Right, Brandon Staley almost got there with the Chargers, but he essentially cost his team a playoff spot with some really boneheaded coaching maneuvers down the stretch. Arthur Smith of the Falcons went 7-10. David Culley went 4-13 with the Texans and was fired after just one season. Robert Saleh with the Jets went 4-13. Dan Campbell with the Lions went 3-13-1. And Urban Meyer was fired in the middle of the season after going 2-11 and embarrassing his organization on a regular basis. So... At least for 2021, it looks like Lurie's outside-the-box hire was the right call. Is Jalen Hurts a starting NFL quarterback? Well, at the very least, I think Hurts showed enough that he can be a viable starter in this league. He was good enough to take the team to an 8-7 and seven record as a starter. He quarterbacked an offense that scored the 12th most points in the league, 26.1 per game, threw for 3,144 yards, and had just nine interceptions. He also led the team in rushing with 784 yards and scored 10 touchdowns on the ground as the focal point of the league's best rushing offense. He also has the intangibles as of a leader that you want to see. He can make splash plays both on the ground and through the air. There's reason to believe he should be the team's number one quarterback heading into next season. And you heard Howie Roseman say at the year-end news conference this week that Jalen Hurts, as far as he's concerned, is the number one quarterback heading into next year. He has at least shown that he can lead the Eagles to the number seven seed in the NFC. And he did demonstrate some improvement as the year went along. He's still just 23, and I think he's proved he's at least a viable starting NFL quarterback. I'm going to get to more Jalen Hurts here in just a minute with the unanswered questions, however. Okay, an answered question. Will Devontae Smith be another early-round wide receiver bust? Well, when the Eagles ended up trying to target him, no, he wasn't an early-round bust. He was fantastic. He needed a 17th game to do it, but with 916 yards receiving, he eclipsed Deshaun Jackson's franchise rookie receiving yards record this year. His route running, his hands were advertised. He's not a big guy, but he managed to stay healthy, so he won't win Offensive Rookie of the Year, but his first year in the year in the, in the NFL was an unmitigated success. Can the Eagles finally stay healthy? Hey, they did this year. They were among the teams with the fewest man games lost to injury, which after the last three or four years, constantly leading the league in that statistic. Give credit to the Eagles' health staff. Maybe it's the new coaching staff doing practices differently or, or emphasizing different things. But I wonder if it's a coincidence that Sirianni's crew comes in, Peterson's crew leaves, and all of a sudden the injuries die down. Maybe not, but the medical staff has gotten destroyed the last few years for all the games Eagles players missed. This year they were one of the healthier teams in the NFL, so good job by the docs in the Eagles locker room. Can the Eagles establish an identity? They did that this year running the football. That will not be the identity next year because Jeff Lurie does not want it to be. They showed they can win and get to the playoffs as a seven seed, of course, but that they can win and get to the playoffs by being a nasty smash it down your throat running team. But I don't think it's sustainable. Nevertheless, they did, unlike the Peterson teams of the last couple of years, establish an identity and they, for lack of a better word, ran with it and ended up going to the playoffs as a result. Can Jalen Rager bounce back? No. And 
you don't really need to say a whole lot. You saw the game. You saw everything that happened this season. He sh- he shouldn't be on this team next year. Um, he not only was he unproductive, he actively, as many people have said, hurt his team's ability to win football games. So um, if, if he's anything other than a wide receiver five next year, something went very wrong this offseason. Will Zacker, it's finished the season with the Eagles. Of course, this was a big topic of conversation leading into the season. He started the season in Philadelphia, but then again was traded to the Cardinals and ended up catching 56 passes for 574 yards and three touchdowns in 11 games for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. So good for Zacherts to finish up the season in Arizona, and we'll see where his next move is. Will the Eagles get that third first-round pick? Yes, they did, and they did it with Carson Wentz playing virtually every snap for the Colts this year and collapsing down the stretch, helping the Colts to miss the playoffs, which is why Indy's pick at number 16 will be better than the Eagles' own pick at number 19. And, of course, uh, the Eagles will also have the Dolphins' number 15. So they have Miami's 15, Indy's 16, and their own number 19. Which leads us to the next answered question. Would Howie Roseman regret trading away Carson Wentz? No. Wentz is obviously getting destroyed in Indianapolis, and I will tell you, if he had been the quarterback for the 2021 Eagles, this team does not go to the playoffs because there's no way he would have let Nick Sirianni put out the kind of offense that they were putting out during the course of the season. Will Howie Roseman survive another season? Yes, he will. He survived the season thanks to a very good 2021 draft in which he took Smith, Landon Dickerson, Milton Williams, Kenny Gainwell. All were contributors to a surprise playoff run. The deals that he swung to get three first-round picks. Howie Roseman's like a phoenix, man. Just when you think he's dead, he rises from the ashes and has himself a pretty good year. So um, I give Howie credit. I mean, he created the mess, but he's cleaning it up, and we'll see what he does with those picks here in the draft. One one other answered question I didn't include in my Bleeding Green Nation piece, but I should have. Will Jordan Mailata be the left tackle of the future? Undoubtedly, yes. And he obviously signed that extension uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, he was one of PFF's highest-graded left tackles. He might have been the highest-graded left tackle in the NFL if I saw that number right. Um, an unmitigated success. I like to use the word unmitigated. Uh, he, a total and complete success at left tackle for Jordan Mailata this year. Uh, you saw that the training camp battle between he and Andre Dillard, and Dillard was fine this year too when he had to step in for Mailata when Mailata moved over to right tackle when Lane Johnson got hurt. You know, he did okay too, Andre Dillard did, but Jordan Mailata is clearly a beast, and it's so rare, it's so rare when a project like that, a seventh-round pick who'd never played football, actually works out. And you get literally the highest ceiling you were hoping for. It's, it's, it's a miracle what Jeff Stoutland was able to do with Jordan Mailata and give Mailata all the credit in the world, too. He's super. He's an athletic freak, seems just like the best dude in the world, and could not be happier with how that situation turned out. All right, quickly, let's go over the unanswered questions following the 2021 season. And I think the number one unanswered question is, can the Eagles win a Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts at quarterback? Look, he's undoubtedly a talented runner. He can do a lot of things on the field. But in order for Hertz to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, he has to be able to win games with his arm. After his first full season, we have never seen him do that in a game yet. He only threw 16 touchdowns this year, and the quarterback rating of 87.2 that I mentioned earlier was 22nd out of 25 NFL quarterbacks. So no, no quarterback had a, had a rating under 85. 
So it tells you where my bold prediction, why that was so, why that number was so off. But only Taylor Heineke at 85.9, Ben Roethlisberger at 86.9, and Lamar Jackson at 87.0, who was injury, who's injured most of the season, were worse than Jalen Hurts. He was the fourth worst rated quarterback in the NFL. And he has yet in his career to beat a playoff team in the air. His performance against Tampa in his first playoff game was not only not encouraging, it was eye-opening and actively discouraging. And I think we need to remember, and I don't, I think, if you, have, if you gave Nick Sirianni truth serum and Howie Roseman truth serum, I got to think Nick Sirianni doesn't think Jalen Hurts is his guy. Because there is a reason Sirianni had to change the offense after week six. It was because of the limitations of his second-year quarterback. It was because Hertz leaves big plays on the field. Because he is inconsistent with his accuracy. Because he doesn't have good touch on the deep ball. And it's because he can't seem to find his playmakers when he needs them most. All of his deficiencies were on display against all the good teams this year, but most specifically against Todd Bowles' defense last Sunday who played a million defenders in the box, dropped his defensive backs into soft coverage, and dared Hurts to try and figure out what he was doing, read the defense, and beat them through the air. He couldn't. So the question that we don't have answered is, will he get there? Will he get better? And how long should the Eagles wait to find out? I keep hearing Brandon Lee Gowton in my head telling me, what kind of a quarterback has ever progressed like that? from where Jalen Hurts is now to where we want and need him to be, and they are few and far between. Most quarterbacks don't make, have that kind of progression. So obviously it would have been better for one of two things to happen if Hurts had either fallen flat on his face and stunk up the joint or been awesome. But what we got was something in the middle. We got a high-floor, low-ceiling quarterback, it seems, who's, which is generally good enough in this NFL to get you to the playoffs but not very far once you get there. And right now, today, based off of what we saw in 2021 alone, that's what Hurts is. I do still think, unless a significant upgrade is available, he should probably get one more crack at it in 2022, because I am not in love with Russell Wilson. I know BLG keeps talking about Russell Wilson. I'm not giving up three first-rounders for him. I'm... I'm on the fence about two first-rounders, especially because they're in the middle of the first round. I probably would give up one of the first-rounders for Russell Wilson. If you ask me to give up a one and maybe a two next year, I'm probably doing that. If you ask me for two firsts this year alone, maybe. Maybe. But there's got to be a plan in place to supplement the roster because Russell Wilson alone does not make this a Super Bowl contender or even maybe even a playoff game-winning team. But I think the, the, the main question we still have is, what is Jalen Hurts' future here in Philadelphia and what Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman really think about Jalen Hurts? I don't think anyone is ready to call him the franchise quarterback. And I want to ask Jeff about this when I have him on in just a few minutes. But... Um, that is, a, that is the big unanswered question following 2021. It's all about Jalen Hurts, and it's really all we're going to be talking about this offseason. Another question, what is Nick Sirianni? Long-term, it's still anybody's guess. He had a very good year this year, but let's just look at some of the, some of the most recent Eagles coaches. You had Dick Vermeil, who uh, they got from college. He obviously took him to a Super Bowl as a legendary coach in franchise history. Then you had Marion Campbell. Marion Campbell is the only quarter, uh, coach since 
Vic Vermeil went to the playoffs in 1979 to not take an Eagles team that to, to the playoffs, right? Marion Campbell is the only Eagles coach not to go to the playoffs since Dick Vermeil. You had Buddy Ryan take the, take three teams to the playoffs, 88, 89, 90. Rich Kotite took the 92 Eagles to the playoffs. Ray Rhodes took them in 95 and 96. Andy Reid, of course, had five, six, seven, eight, nine playoff seasons with the Eagles. Chip Kelly took them to the playoffs in his first year, 2013. Doug Peterson went to the playoffs three straight times and won a Super Bowl. And then Nick Sirianni this year. So what is Nick Sirianni? Is he the team's next for Meal, Reed, or Peterson? A guy who's going to be here and take multiple teams to the playoffs? Or is he Buddy Ryan? Is he Rich Kotite? Is he Ray Rhodes and, and Chip Kelly? Will this be his only playoff season? Or will he have a couple of seasons and then whimper out? Or is he building something real? Are the roots allowing the flowers to blossom over numerous seasons? He needs more players before we know for sure. But so far, Lurie has been able to do really what few owners have, and that's think outside the box with his head coaching hires. And that's why every head coach he's hired has made the postseason in their first or second year with the team, which is really a remarkable track record. I think we still don't know exactly what Nick Sirianni is. I think it's fair to wonder how much of this success was really based about Jeff Stoutland, who's the run game coordinator. I think Nick Sirianni hasn't had an opportunity to put his passing game into action. If his passing offense is anything like we saw in the first six weeks with no pre-snap motion, with wide receiver screens out the wazoo, I'm not happy. And you're going to hear me yell and complain pretty loudly next year. But it's too soon to know for sure exactly what Nick Sirianni is. Another big question. How do the Eagles get Devontae Smith more involved? It's crazy that he's that Jalen Rager is seeing a 4th and 10 target in that game and not Devontae Smith. It's insane. Smith did not see a target until a minute 55 left in the second quarter. And he didn't have a catch until 1.13 in the second quarter. And then they just kept feeding him the ball over and over again. That's been talked about a lot. This coach and this quarterback, if they can't figure out a way to get Devontae Smith the ball, they should both be gone after next year. You cannot waste Devontae Smith. And if Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni can't figure out a way to make Devontae Smith and get him the ball more often, they should both be gone after next year. Have we seen the last of Jason Kelsey as an eagle? And if not, and if we have, how do they survive without him? I think the most important player on the Eagles is the quarterback, whoever it is. The second most important Eagle is Jason Kelsey. I don't know if he's going to be back. I'm hoping he comes back. Nick Sirianni is actively campaigning for him to come back. If he doesn't come back, this team is in a lot of trouble. I think I think Landon Dickerson was drafted with the idea that he'd be Kelsey's heir apparent, but they could also draft somebody this year. And I think you could see that in the first round with one of their picks, them going out and getting one of the best centers in the draft as a potential Kelsey replacement. Because he's not going to be here for another three, four, or five years. If anything, it's another year or two. How do the Eagles go from half-decent to good? I think this stat tells us a lot. The Eagles played seven games against the playoff field this year. They went 0-7 against those seven teams. They were outscored by 96 points. Now, I think one of those games was the Week 18 loss to the Cowboys. Nevertheless, we saw how they struggled against the good teams this year. They need a lot of help. They need a lot of help on defense. They need some athletic linebackers. They need edge rushers like crazy. I still think they need a number two cornerback. They need a productive veteran wide receiver to pair with Smith and move Quez Watkins down to the number three, get Jalen Rager out of the starting lineup. They need a new punter, and they need depth. 
I think if Jalen Hurts gets another wide receiver, I think that'll help, but it's nothing's really going to help until Jalen Hurts learns how to more consistently read defenses and beat teams with his arm. Otherwise, what the Bucks did last Sunday, you're going to see teams do all next year. Will Jonathan Gannon be the defensive coordinator in 22? It's looking like not which I think is fine by me because, again, I didn't see much from Gannon that really impressed me all that much, but we'll see if the Texans or somebody else hires him. What do the Eagles do with their three first-round picks? We'll have an answer in April, but they could spend them all on defensive players. They could mix and match all three on offense and defense. They could trade one or two of them to move up in the draft and select a college quarterback. They could sit where they are and take a college quarterback in one of the, with one of those spots. They could trade a number of them for a veteran quarterback like Russell Wilson or the Raiders' Derek Carr, maybe, although... Uh, again, I like Derek Carr some, but I don't know that he's a guy you trade first-round picks for. And then you, you could trade one of them to get another first-round pick next year and give yourselves give yourself multiple first-round picks next year for a shot at that quarterback draft class, which has got to be better than this year's because this year's is pretty rough. Another unanswered question, will Jalen Rager be back in 2022? Should he be back? No. Will he Probably, because he has a dead cap hit of $7.8 million. Now, what would his role be? He can't play special teams. He should not be anything higher than a wide receiver five. So are you going to pay a wide receiver five? A, a dead cap? I mean, I mean, here's the thing. If it's a dead cap hit of 7.8 and you're going to just make him the, the wide receiver five, I guess he can do that. But as long as he doesn't see meaningful snaps, I don't care. I don't care. My last question is, what are the Dallas Cowboys going to do this offseason? You think it's rough? You think, you know, the Eagles have an important offseason? This is the most important offseason of any team in the NFL, what the Cowboys are going to do. And their failure to win playoff games under Jerry Jones since Jimmy Johnson left is really astonishing. And no NFC Championship game appearances since 1995 is an utter utter shock. And so uh, they have... They have the most important offseason of any NFL team this coming summer, and uh, it's going to be really entertaining to see what happens down in Dallas. All right. When we come back, I'm going to preview this weekend's NFL divisional matchups. Four games to talk about, and uh, we'll break them down and give you my predictions on those. We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So before we get to the picks this weekend, um, just one important note here in the NFC East, and that is that the New York Giants 
have hired Joe Schoen to replace Dave Gettleman as their new general manager. Gettleman, of course, retired after the end of the season. He was going to get fired, so um, that's the I'm going to retire before you fire me type move, which is, you know, that's a baller move. Schoen was the number two in the Bills organization behind GM Brandon Bean, and we all know the turnaround that organization has undergone over the last three or four years. Of course, getting your franchise quarterback situation um, taken care of in Josh Allen certainly helps you do a 180 as an organization. And that will be Showen's task now is to figure out what to do with the quarterback situation because Daniel Jones is not the answer there. The Giants probably don't have any other alternatives, though, heading into the 2022 offseason here. Um, nobody, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, uh, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson wouldn't make any sense for them to go play in New York because the Giants roster is still one of the worst in the NFL. They've got miles to go. And so getting a big money quarterback in there right now just wouldn't make any sense. And again, there's really no quarterback in the draft, as we have talked about, that is going to be probably any better than Daniel Jones has been. So if there is, it's a marginal upgrade. So likely you are going into 2022 with him as your starting quarterback. My guess is Schoen will invest a little bit more in the backup quarterback position. That way you don't have a Mike Glennon, Jake Fromm situation where you are completely uncompetitive if your starting quarterback gets hurt. But Schoen has done a tremendous job with the Dramatic turnaround in Buffalo. And this is bad news for Eagles fans because now the Giants seemingly have a competent executive from a successful team calling the shots. That's not been the case with Dave Gettleman at the helm, continually hiring the wrong head coach, continually making boneheaded draft day decisions. And that likely is not going to continue. So it's not going to be a quick turnaround for the Giants. Showing is not going to have them in the playoffs next year, but. It sounds as though he has he's certainly played an integral role in getting the Bills moving in the right direction, and the chances are that he'll get the Giants moving in the right direction at some point. He's already arranged interviews with two of the top coordinators as head coaching candidates here this offseason. Both Bills coaches, offensive coordinator Brian Dayball, who has been rumored to be a head coaching candidate in a number of different spots, and defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier. So... Either one of those two head coach head coaches would be a it seems to me a big upgrade over Joe Judge. It's hard not to be an upgrade over Joe Judge, who was a disaster. Schoen is a young guy, 42. This definitely puts the Giants in a better position than they've been in quite some time. So not great news for the Eagles that uh, Joe Schoen has been hired as GM. Of course, we'll have to wait and see. It could be a disaster. <laughs> you know. Um, Brandon Bean has been the guy who has been turning around the Buffalo Bills, but certainly Schoen learned a lot, uh, I would imagine, from uh, from Bean, and Bean sings his praises. So uh, this is, uh, I think, the Giants have taken a step. If this was the Eagles and they had they were coming off of the situation the Giants are coming off of and they hired a guy like Schoen, I think we as Eagles fans would be ecstatic that they hired somebody like that. So I think you certainly have to look at Brian Dayball and or Leslie Frazier as uh, the favorites in the clubhouse to become the Giants' next head coach. All right, let's take a look at these games here this weekend. We'll start off with the game on Saturday. It's at, it's at 4.30 Eastern time on CBS. You've got the Bengals at the Titans. Seen some things asking if the Titans are the weakest number one seed that we've seen in the NFL in quite a little while. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. It's a really well-coached team. Uh, it's really solid. They don't have a ton of splash everywhere, but they are built to dominate along the trenches. 
And I see a lot of people are calling for the upset in this one. There's good news for the Titans. Derrick Henry, their all-world running back, is being activated from IR, and he will play, although he's still limping around a little bit, so he may not be 100%. He's not going to be 100%, uh, and we'll see whether or not uh, that affects him uh, and his dominance on the field. Tennessee does, again, have the edge on both the offensive and defensive lines. They are stronger and deeper there. Jeffrey Simmons and Danigo Autry, really good at plugging up the middle and stopping the run game, so... Bengals running back Joe Mixon may have some tough sledding in this game on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Cincinnati's offensive line, one of the weaker aspects of their team. So Tennessee will likely have some consistent pressure on Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow in this one. Ryan Tannehill doesn't get talked about a whole lot as one of the better quarterbacks in the AFC, but the guy just gets it done. He has postseason experience. He has yet to get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl, but... I also think you can't discount the week off, the bye that the Titans got. I think that will have a big effect in helping Tennessee in this game. That said, Cincinnati is a team on the rise. This is a team that can certainly go to the Super Bowl. Their skill position players are awesome. You've got Burrow. Uh, he's cemented himself as one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. An amazing story coming off a torn ACL last year. He will win comeback player of the year. Jamar Chase, the rookie wide receiver, has been incredible. And Mixon is a good running back. You've got a number of other top flight players all over the field for them. But I do think Mike Vrabel will have the coaching advantage here and will have the Titans ready to go in this one. The Titans were my preseason representative for the AFC in the Super Bowl. And I think they will move on to the title game for the second time in three years. I've got Titans 30, Bengals 27 in a relatively high scoring game. Next, the 49ers at the Packers, the Saturday night game. The San Francisco 49ers come in as six-point underdogs in this one, and not only do I think the Niners will come in under that number, not only do I think they'll keep it close, I think they straight-up win this game. No, Jimmy Garoppolo should not win a game in which he's matched up in the playoffs against Aaron Rodgers. The quarterback matchup does seem like a mismatch, but what I do know is that the Packers are chokers. They choke every year in the playoffs. Like I said on the last podcast, Aaron Rodgers has not been to a Super Bowl since 2010, and he's had some great teams. So maybe it won't be here in the divisional round where Aaron Rodgers and the Packers fall short. After all, like I said a minute ago, the bye is a big deal, and that's what the Packers come into the game with that first round bye. Rodgers is a man on a mission, it seems, this year, because this is probably his last year in Green Bay, but there's a lot of controversy following Aaron Rodgers around two, and he'll either use that as motivation to help him focus, or it'll be a distraction, and we don't know just yet exactly what it's going to be. But this team falls short of the Super Bowl every year. The Niners, I do think, have a big advantage in the running game against a porous Green Bay defense, who finished 30th in rush defense EPA this year. And the Niners' defense is very, very good. Very, very good. Now, the health of Nick Bosa is going to be, is going to be a big factor in this one. He has cleared the concussion protocol, so he will play uh, on Saturday night, uh, which is great news for uh, the 49ers. They, they can get to Aaron Rodgers. They can absolutely make life difficult for him. Uh, the Packers did get a last-minute victory against the 49ers back in Week 3, but Green Bay managed to squeak by with a number of close wins this year. Their uh, point differential is among the lowest of the playoff teams. I don't think they've been overly impressive in uh, the number of games I've seen them this year. I think I've seen them play three or four times uh, when they were in the national window, and just... They're not an overly impressive team as a one seed. I think the Titans are a stronger one seed than Green Bay is, to be perfectly honest. So the 49ers were my preseason Super Bowl winner. 
So I'll keep the dream alive here, uh, knowing the odds are stacked against them, but also knowing Rodgers and the Packers are just not terribly formidable. I'll say in a low-scoring game, the 49ers beat the Packers 24-21. to On Sunday afternoon, this is a 3-15 game, I think it is, in the 3 o'clock uh, Eastern time window. Uh, you've got the Rams at the Bucks. The Bucks were certainly impressive last week in beating up the Eagles, but the Rams were equally impressive beating up an overwhelmed Cardinals team. And the Buccaneers are getting Leonard Fournette back, but they have real issues on the offensive line now. Uh, Tristan Werfer, remember, in the game on Sunday, uh, went out with, a ankle in- with an ankle injury. Um, he is... He is slated to play, but he didn't look right. And then you had center Ryan Jensen also hurt his ankle in that game. He did finish the game, so we're not sure the effectiveness of those two guys. If they're not healthy, if they're not right, um, boy, the L.A. defensive line will eat the Bucks alive and could get in Brady's face for most of the day. We saw the Eagles defensive line getting regular pressure on Brady once those two guys were injured. And the, and the Rams have an unreal defense, as you all know. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Sean Robinson, Greg Gaines. That is a stacked defense, um, uh, defensive front that uh, that L.A. has. Um Looking at Matthew Stafford and the quarterbacks, he played very well last week against an overmatched Cardinals team on Monday night, but um, the success of L.A. is dependent on the run game, and we saw how the Bucks and their athletic linebackers and their defensive front shut down the best run game in the NFL that the Eagles went in, uh, to Tampa with last Sunday. And let's not forget that the Rams are traveling to Tampa on a short week because the Rams had to play on Monday night. So um, they don't have to go Monday, Saturday, but Monday, Sunday is a short week, um, something that Bucks didn't have to deal with. And on Tampa side, you've got Tom Brady. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. That is that is an automatic quarterback advantage. Even though Matthew Stafford has had an outstanding year, Matthew Stafford struggled in the second half of the season. He was an MVP candidate through the first 10 weeks of the season. And then after that, they he really fell off. And he is not playing his best football right now. Tom Brady is. I also like the Bruce Arians versus Sean McVay matchup. I think that is in Arians' favor. Sean McVay seems to find a way to screw things up. He's a very smart guy, very good coach, but in these big moments seems to come up a little bit small. And I'm still not sold on Stafford in the playoffs, having had the down second half that he has. He had a good week last week. But again, the Rams really, really thrive on being able to run the football. So if Tampa can handle Cooper Cup, That's really what they've got to focus on, handling Cooper Cup. I see them shutting the Rams down, and I think the Bucs get to the NFC title game for the second year in a row. I've got the Bucs beating the Rams 27-20. Finally, on Sunday night, you've got the Bills at the Chiefs. This is the matchup of the weekend. What a marquee QB matchup you have here, and the two best quarterbacks in the AFC, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. The Bills might be the best team in the NFL. After, after their performance last week where they had seven possessions and seven touchdowns, the first team in NFL history to score a touchdown on every single possession with the exception of the two kneel downs at the end of the first half and the end of the game, they're on a ridiculous roll. Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL right this very second with the way he's playing. We all know these are two high-powered offenses going at it with Tyree Kill of the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey ready to rock and roll. Buffalo is led by Allen, who is a magician with his arm and his legs. The Bills went into Kansas City back in Week 5 and put together one of the most complete performances of their season in their in their upset of the Chiefs, specifically with Allen running the ball early on designed runs. He is the best running quarterback in football. Not Jalen Hurts and not Lamar Jackson. It's, it's Josh Allen right now. And the question is whether or not the Bills can go into Kansas City and beat them 
twice in the same season in their home park. That is going to be very difficult. I think the difference in this game and what I think is going to be a very high-scoring affair is that Buffalo's defense is a bit better than the Chiefs. I think these two offenses can can match each other point for point. I think they they battle each other to to a draw. Neither team is going to shut the other down. But when you have two offenses of similar ability and you've got two quarterbacks of similar ability and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and all of the skill position talent that they have and two really good head coaches, I think the teams who the team whose defense is slightly better has the edge in this one, even if it is Buffalo going into Kansas City, trying to win for the second time this year in Kansas City. It is a tall task, but with the way Buffalo is playing, they seem like a team of destiny right now. And after last week when I was critical of Buffalo's chances and wasn't sure if Josh Allen was going to be ready to, uh, when I thought he's kind of erratic and just still not, I'm now sold on Josh Allen, obviously. I mean, you'd have to be an idiot not to be. So I looked stupid for what I said before last week's Bills game and uh, picking them to lose. They are the better team in this one. And even though they're on the road, I will take Buffalo to upset the Chiefs 45 to 38. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. And uh, listen, enjoy the football games this weekend and keep reading BleedingGreenNation.com every day for uh, the latest news, rumors, and notes. Also, want to let you know, if you could, BGN Radio, by the way, has been nominated for the Sports Podcast Awards. Uh, So we would really appreciate it if you guys uh, went and voted for BGN Radio. Here's how you do it. Vote for BGN Radio in the Sports Podcast Awards by registering at sportspodcastawards.com. That's sportspodcastawards.com. Go to the Best Team Podcast category. Listen to the clip that we have on there. Uh, It's a six-minute clip of some of our highlights from from the season. And then after you do that, you can vote for Bleeding Green Nation as the Sports Team Podcast of of the year. Uh, at sportspodcastawards.com. Make sure you go and do that. Uh, That would be a big help, everybody. All right, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week here on Eye on the Enemy. B-G-N.